HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Uh, it is a, going to be a great show today. I'm really excited. I have a good friend in the studio, Mr. Scott Pachter, who is the founder and owner of Appalachian Wines. Just celebrated its 10th anniversary over in Chelsea. Um, before we get started, though, uh, if you uh, enjoy In the Drink, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes or listen to past episodes or listen to us live on heritageradionetwork.org. And when I'm not hosting In the Drink, you can find me at one of our restaurants, Del Anima, Lartuzzi, La Picho, or Anfora, our wine bar. Um, and I do want to highlight uh, for those of you who maybe work in the industry or just like to drink uh, very late at Anfora, we do half-price magnums after midnight, uh, which is a really fun way to... Uh, kind of end your evening. I also want to give a shout out to Liz Smith, who's our engineer. This is going to be her last show with us uh, before she goes and starts an exciting new career over at Bloomberg Media. She's working on a a new podcast as associate producer, still uh, unnamed. So we're excited and we're looking forward to uh, to hearing what you're up to. Liz, thanks for, for everything here. It's been so much fun working with you. All right, Scott, welcome to In The Drink. It's great to have you in the studio. Thank you for having me. Um, congratulations also on the 10-year anniversary. Uh, I'd love to get a sense from you how... Uh, uh, so for, as for those of you guys who don't know Appalachian Wines, it is one of my favorite wine stores in the city. It's one of the, just a small handful that I actually purchase wine for myself. Uh, uh, focus on natural, biodynamic, organic wines, small producers, uh, real growers who, who make excellent quality wines. Um, is that is that accurate? <laughs> no, it, it's always a pleasure to see you in the store. And to pr- try and bring you back this week, we actually have a foyard uh, 
more going magnums arriving today. So just to try try and uh, lure you back into the store. But we, we opened 10 years ago with a focus on organic and biodynamic production in the vineyard. And it's been an exciting 10 years. Yeah, I imagine 10 years ago that was... Uh pretty radical. There weren't, there, I don't know of any stores at that point who had that sort of focus. And now I feel like it, maybe there aren't stores that have a focus, but the idea of featuring those wines is less radical. It is less radical. When people came in 10 years ago and you told them what the focus was, which we had to do because we didn't have big brands on the shelves at that time, and we still don't, they, people were concerned. They were concerned that they would be tasting something that maybe sat on a shelf too long and had spoiled and we had to a lot of what we've done has been education and education through tasting which has been fun for us and and fun equally fun for them do you find that uh new guests have changed i mean obviously i think the people who keep coming back to your store and thank you for for the tip on you know i love beaujolais and uh you get some really fun hard to find beaujolais sometimes stuff that has age or just producers that are really allocated and 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 all of that stuff that's uh really exciting for me i think it's still i think it's the, the best value and uh in my own personal cellar that is there's more beaujolais than any anything else it's also such a versatile wine the gamay being lighter in body higher in acid but having red fruit it, it provides you a, a wide range of, of pairing possibilities plus lower alcohol means you can enjoy more of it without feeling it currently or the next day yeah and so have you found that the people who come in who are maybe first time uh shoppers have changed over the the past 10 years in that do you do you think that they are more open to the the uh the 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 kind of mission of your store or do they have more knowledge about it or is it is it still pretty much the same no they they definitely have changed there's been a thirst um there's been a thirst in the, the sommelier community as well as for purveyors like myself for wines that are small production. And they're, they're wines that are formed with the farming of organic and biodynamic uh, techniques as well as using of ambient yeast for fermentation as opposed to inoculating with cultured yeast. There's been this thirst for it and that has transcended um, to, to average day drinkers, let's say. And when you have people coming to the store, they're definitely more knowledgeable. They're, they're more exposed to these wines. And it, it's it's exciting for us. Mm-hmm. And you, you specifically highlight the use of ambient yeast. You know, I think that's something that uh, I, I, I want to know why you highlight that. Right? You can have a wine that is made entirely organically. And there, there are some wineries that, that I like who grow all their grapes organically. Um, but then they decide to to use a selected uh, or inoculated yeast. Is that something that is that is important for you when when deciding on the wines that you choose it, it is it, it, it's not a it, it's not a make or break uh, uh, factor but it is something that's important for us because it, it we feel that it's also an, an expression of the vintage is it's an expression of the wine and the least amount of involvement in the production of the wine we think is important it, it actually gives what we think is a unique bottle and uh, and is that something I imagine that you taste uh, when you're tasting with uh, with a winemaker or a wine salesperson? That that that's a question that you you'll always ask. It, it yeah. is. I, I I can be um, somewhat difficult when tasting because I, I tend to have a lot of questions. And whether it's about the farming that that goes into the the growing of the grapes or the raising of the grapes, as well as what's being done in the cellar, the, those are all important pieces as to what's in the actual glass when you're tasting. I have to say, uh, you know, I recently launched uh, 
my own wine, Anona, uh, Anona wines. And, uh, I was really uh, pleasantly surprised by the level of the, the amount of questions, the type of questions you're asking and the notes you were actually taking while, while tasting. It's not something that you see when you're tasting with everyone. Uh, thank you for looking at it from that perspective, because there are times where a salesperson will look at me and, and think that I, that them being a bit difficult, but it, but it, it's just, it, it's really based on a curiosity mm-hmm. as to what's happening in the vineyard. And the more, th- there's this idea that if you have good fruit, if, if you have fruit that has been grown cleanly and with less inputs and comes from healthier vines, that you can do less in the cellar as far as bringing it into the bottle and into the glass. And Scott, where did this uh, interest and passion in these types of wines come from when, for you personally? Going back um, 10, 12, 13 years ago, um, I, when I first started um, in, in the business, I had the pleasure to work at Balthazar. Um, Chris Goodhart, who was, a, who was the wine director at the time, took me on. And, uh, and I feel very lucky regarding that. Um, and from there, I went to work for a large, uh, a large uh, retailer, a wine retailer. And to see what Balthazar carried versus what this large wine retailer carried, it, I got a, I received a wide breadth of, of the wines that were available. The, the larger retailer tended to, um, the wines that were more popular were from Australia at that time, as well as, uh, mostly New World. But they tended to be from wines that were bigger brands and you had to have more control in the cellar because you were working with a wider range of fruit. Uh, people were less hands on. And as a result of that, I felt like there was a similarity in the wines and that they lacked this individuality and they also lacked this energy. And the, the more I, I questioned it and the more I was able to taste, I, I felt that organically raised grapes, organically grown grapes, as well as biodynamically grown grapes and ambient yeast provided something that was what I wanted to drink, something in the glass I wanted to enjoy. And you kept be, being drawn towards uh, towards that uh, towards Definitely. those wines. Very interesting. Um, and then when, where did where did this idea of starting the the retail store come up? You were like, oh, I'm I'm working in this large retail store. I can do it with wines that I really love. Is that- I, I had a little exposure um, working on the floor of a couple of restaurants, and doing that, I realized I. That was not my strong point. Um, I I enjoy having conversations with individuals, whether it be at a restaurant or in a store, but I felt that I had more time to do it in the store. And while I love the intensity of of the service period in a restaurant, it's something that I'm a bit of a klutz. I I tend to knock things over, and I needed a little bit more space. And and that's why I I gravitated towards the store. Yeah, and you really do provide a sommelier level or plus kind of experience. You you don't have a thousand wines in the store. You 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 take good notes when you're tasting them, and you know them very deeply. And I find that I I learn when I go into your store. Uh, thank you. It it it, it what's nice is it's an exchange of information. When you brought the Anona wines in, I was able to learn from you, and and, and as a result of, of asking questions, maybe you do take something from uh, away from me, and, and that that's a, for me that's a big compliment. Yeah, it was helpful for me too because I I got to say, oh well, I better you know that is a question that I need to make sure that uh, I for sure know the answer to. Well, I believe we were one of your first visits, so yes. the, it, it was. It was good that we were able to, to expose you to what uh, what pitfalls there may be. 
I appreciate it. And what are some of the questions that people are, are asking of you now? Uh, what, what are people, now that maybe they're more comfortable with the idea of or, organic or more naturally made wines, uh, what is the next level that, that they start asking you about? They're looking for, for new varieties, um, unusual varieties. They also, skin maceration was some, for white wines, longer skin maceration, maceration uh, whites were something that's been popular with, with, the, with the sommeliers for, for a few years now. But we find that, that we still have a lot of customers who are coming in inquiring about them because they've been recently exposed for the first time to those. And it, a lot of what we're trying to provide uh, information-wise is is the way um, we recommend serving the wines, i.e. white's not too cold, uh, red's not too warm, which we find is something that, that people have been talking about for a couple of years. But it, it's it's always an individual conversation, and, and it ends up being a unique conversation many times. Interesting. And that's a launching point for a deeper conversation, just the temperature of the wines. Uh, oh, it, oh, it is. Um, it, and also that that's part of the, the experience as to what they're pairing it with, or are they drinking it on its own, almost what we call a cocktail wine. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the wines that we sell are, are, tend to be lower alcohol, higher acid. They're meant to be paired with food, and, and that's the way we promote our wine in the store. And, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Do you have, I know you guys always have some sort of fun little tastings going on or sometimes even like larger events in the, in the back. What, what do you have planned? So, um, I'm, I'm so happy you asked, um, <laughs> the, on for this week when it's very cold outside, we encourage you to, to, to fight the, the winter chill and come into the store because on Thursday, tomorrow we have, um, Andre Razumovsky of, uh, Alpamanta, an organic and biodynamic estate in Mendoza, Argentina, uh, growing Malbec. And then on Friday, we have Gideon Beanstalk of Closer On, um, which we're, we're beyond excited about having him in the store. Those are fantastic wines that you can find at, uh, at La Picho, at our restaurant La Picho. Uh, I, I'm going to try to make it for that. I, you know, I know very, very little about, uh, about Malbec and about Mendoza wines. Is that something that, and I've, I've always thought of your store being a lot of European wines and certainly California. Have you had success? I, I know our guests ask for Malbec all the time. It, it my palate is all, has, has gravitated towards old world wines, i.e. European wines. But we had, um, we had a, an employee a couple of years back who's, who's now going into the UC Davis uh, program to learn viticulture. Um, he, his name is Michael Halasian. He worked with us a couple of years ago and introduced us to New World Wines, saying we were missing the boat. And we're finding some amazing wines closer on um, Gideon's wines. They are small production. He's purchasing fruit. They tend to be around 12% alcohol. He's foot crushing the grapes. He's using no enzymes. It's ambient yeast. And they're tiny production. We're talking about 2,000 bottle production. And they still retail in the $30 to $40 price range. They're extraordinarily delicious. They are beautiful. They are beautiful. And uh, and even though South American wines are... are Because that's something where it's like the... I, you know, customers ask for it, and I wonder that the people who ask for Malbec, if you give them something that is made in the style, a Malbec in the style of wine that, that maybe uh, we both like, uh, maybe they, they would not be as into it. Sure. They're, and that comes into asking a number of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also reading the customer. Sometimes customers don't want to answer as many questions. They might be in a rush. But the, the question ends up being, would they be open to a core or do we need to stay with an Argentine Malbec? 
Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and then when you sort of figure out what is it is the size, they just want something that's fruity and juicy. And then maybe, maybe you stay away from the, you know, the really earthy color and maybe go towards like Barbera or something like that. Exactly. If you're coming into the store, there are a number of questions as to what do you typically like to drink? Um, and, 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 Oftentimes, we'll receive an answer that says, I like a wide range of wines, at which point I tend to ask, what have you had recently that you really liked? And, and that, that tends to help us focus. And what I like to do is, is, is find a wine that I think they'll enjoy. And then in, in addition to that, try and provide a risk wine, something that there's a little bit more risk involved. But I've hedged, the bet, I've hedged my bet by providing a wine that I think that they'll like that, that's more within, quote unquote, the wheelhouse, but also providing a wine that maybe is pushing them in, not pushing them, but nudging them in a direction that, that might be a new adventure for them. Right. Uh, on that note, we are actually going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back more with Scott Pachter of Appalachian Wines. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market, America's healthiest grocery store with more than 400 locations throughout the United States. Download the Whole Foods Market app on your smartphone for recipes, sales, information, and digital coupons. Or visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store closest to you. All right. And we are back on In the Drink. I'm here with Scott Pachter, the founder and owner of Appalachian Wines and Spirits and Craft Spirits, some really beautiful ones there uh, as well. And I know nothing about spirits. That is purely Andrew Schaefer's domain. Andrew joined us, joined the store uh, five years ago and has been an enthusiast on a number of levels, including helping me manage the store. He, he's been instrumental and has developed this great spirits program where it, spirits used to be, I don't want to say an afterthought because I might get into trouble for that, but when they would come in for wine and, and they might want spirits, now they're coming in for spirits and we're trying to talk them into wine as well. Yeah. And how does the mission of uh, natural wine kind of inform the spirit selection? How do you choose? I know when I go in there, I, I don't see, even as someone who is a, a spirits buyer, uh, or at least works with the buyers in our, in our restaurants, most of the spirits you have, I, I don't recognize, which I, which I think is cool. Andrew tastes a great deal of spirits, and based on that tasting, he's formed an opinion as to what he wants. Where he has this, he has this universal approach, or or I guess a global approach, as to trying to find a number of uh, of different categories to represent, as well as different price points. But he has very little space, so he he's had to be quite creative, and it, I think it it. it encourages them to, to taste even more. Um, and what he's built, it can simply amazes me on a daily basis. All right. And Scott, during the break, we were actually talking about a topic that, that you have particular interest in right now. It, it's, it, it's a little bit obscure, but, um, 
this idea of, of microbial um, uh, uh, activity. Um, Al, um, Alex uh, Zahel was in the store uh, two weeks ago. Uh, Heather from Winemonger, Heather Meyer from Winemonger, uh, an importer brought him into the store. And we were talking about cover crops and this idea that, that, that they're experimenting with different cover crops to promote different microbial activity in the soil. And that's another way of, of really focusing on organic, uh, 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 organic agriculture. And what I found, it was, just, it was a, a fascinating conversation, but this past Sunday in the Times, in the New York Times, there was an article about cover crops and how there is, there's been experimentation here in the U.S. with cover crops, even on a large scale, and that you have, you have bigger companies such as Monsanto and, uh, and, and the Waltons of Walmart who are investing in research to, to, to figure out what's happening. And, this idea of uh, microbial uh, activity, even on your skin, and how it affects your digestive system, that there's a lot that that we'll end up learning in the in the next so many years. My, my son, who's who's in second grade, when his class um, when his class becomes doctors, I think that that's that's going to be the the great focus. Interesting, and that's actually something that can be measured: the amount of microbial or biological activity in the soil. It, it, it can, it, um, and the question is, what cover crops promote what uh, microbial activity, and and which ones are, are benef- more beneficial beneficial mm-hmm. than others? Interesting. We've actually had two producers on recently who um, have a new Italian certification for biodiversity, mm-hmm. um, both Ronchi di Chala and then Ferrari, which I would think they're a larger producer. I was actually surprised to hear that that they have this uh, new biodiversity certification in Italy, and that really speaks to uh, exactly what you're talking about, that, that you have uh, a, a healthier ecosystem, uh, healthier soil if you have multiple types. Because people look at a vineyard uh, and a, a, you know these idyllic pictures of vineyards with row after row, and they don't realize that actually uh, those are, that's a monoculture. If you're if you don't have the co- the cover crop in between, definitely, and, and the soil ends up being it ends up being compressed. It, it lacks this this, this cushiness that it, it lack. And what ends up happening is it's not absorbing uh, rainwater. It's not absorb. It, there are no longer nutrients in the soil. You have a lot of runoff. Um, you the more microbial activity you promote, the 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 more activity you have under the soil, which you can't see. But it allows for you to ha- to have healthier vines as a result, as well as to to keep your soil and have less erosion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I remember reading an article a few months ago about uh, someone in the New York Times who went uh, maybe a month without showering. Uh, <laughs> did, did you read that one as well? I I, I did. I, I don't remember what the result was, um, but but I do remember reading it. it. It's interesting because you have people who use hand sanitizers, and you're not only are you killing bad bacteria, but you're killing good bacteria. And there's a, it's funny that there's this idea in life that we're always trying to find a balance. Well, you have bacteria on your on your skin that's trying to find a balance, and you also have bacteria in your gut that's trying to, to find balance. I actually have um, I have ulcerative colitis, which affects what, what I eat, and it is it's because I. It, in my opinion, and obviously not coming from a science background, but I, but I feel like I've lost that balance in my gut, and I'm, I'm striving to find that balance so that that I'm able to to live a healthier lifestyle. Well, uh, what are you? Can I ask what are you doing to find that balance? Is 
there, there are certain things that, that I've had to cut out, um, such as um, gluten. Uh, um, I, I have a sensitivity, sensitivity to gluten. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have, have reduced dairy intake, um, those types of things, much to my wife's chagrin because I've become a, diff- a more difficult eater. But I also try to exercise on a regular basis, um, which is more difficult to do with, with, with two young kids uh, and also a, a business that, that, that commands a lot of my time. Um, but but it, those are important pieces, and and it it's funny because it it is, it it it's such a um, not a cliche, but it's something that's used um, a ton. It's used tons. We're always looking for balance, whether it be balance in lifestyle, whether it be balance um, the the type of food you eat um, and, and the the drinks you you enjoy with your food. It's all about balance. Yeah, and then balance in in wine. I think that um, exactly <laughs> the uh, Raj and and Jasmine have done such a good job with their in pursuit of balance, and mm-hmm. it's become almost a cliche word uh, with wine to to show a wine that does not have too much alcohol or too much oak, but uh, a wine that is kind of in balance. Exactly. It, um, uh, so, well, speaking more about wines, going back to uh, to your shop, you've uh, congratulations. You've recently celebrated your your ten year anniversary, which is quite a milestone for a, a New York City wine retailer. Uh, thank you. It, it it it's definitely been challenging at times to get here, but we we. We're very fortunate to have customers like you and champions of the store like you, um, and it's something that's been very important in our in our journey to arrive here. And speaking of your journey, you're going to be actually making a, a small move. Uh, we are. Move. Th- th- thank you for asking. We we um, as we've come up upon ten years, we looked at the store and said maybe this isn't the most efficient uh, model that we have, that we have a lot of space. And so we decided to move a 1,000 feet from our current location um, up to 23rd and 9th Avenue. And this is all contingent upon the New York State Liquor Authority approving our license application, which we had to apply for because we're moving more than 400 feet from our existing space. And you're moving a 1,000 feet and you have to... That's crazy. We had to go through the application process, which under normal circumstances shouldn't be an issue. Mm -hmm. But when you move and you have to apply for a new application, or when you have to apply for a new license, I should say, you... um, you indicate who are your four nearest, who are the four nearest stores to the new space. They're able to protest the move and say that there's there's no convenience that's being added by putting another store in the vicinity of the existing stores. And and we've had to reach out to our customers to for um, for them to sign a petition to say we do want to keep Appalachia in the neighborhood because it's the same. It'll be the same customer base, um, but it's still it's still something we have to go through and you just had a, a sign up at the at the checkout saying hey this is happening we have we, we've encouraged customers to sign up in the store we've also encouraged them uh, to write letters um, and, and send them in via email to and these are letters that are addressed to the new york state liquor authority saying we want to keep appalachia in the store we, we actually have 1400 signatures 1400 that's amazing we we, we definitely wow. we, we've we've been pleading we've been begging um and uh and also um smiling at the same time but uh it, it's important that, that, that we are able to continue doing what we're doing. I think so, too. I don't think not only is there not a, another store like that in Chelsea, but there's no other store like that in New York. I mean, uh, I think you really were at the beginning of a model for 
other people to start and do smaller, more boutique uh, kind of stores. But uh, the, the the fact is, no one else has you. And uh, <laughs> that's very kind. I, I don't know if you can include that in your app application. We, uh, we, we, we would love to. <laughs> We're going to take the sound bite and, and the transcript from it. Um, we we feel very fortunate to be amongst a number of great stores in the city, and then there's stores that that share our passion, and we share their passion, and we feel very very fortunate to be a part of that community. Yeah, and, uh, as you should. It's something I, I worked in retail for uh, for uh, maybe a year over at Italian Wine Merchants. I'm not sure if you knew that, uh, but I always really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I enjoy the the coming back and remembering. If when someone comes back and remember, like, oh, how did you like that? champagne you know did that go well with your dinner those conversations are are the are the best and and to be able to do that for the past 10 years has been a a simple pleasure and it's a pleasure might even be understating it we we've seen uh, we've seen customers who've had kids that have gone off to college Mm -hmm. and have come back of drinking age and now those children are buying wine for their parents um, we've seen we've seen spouses die. We've seen pets die. We, we've seen births in families. It, it's been we've been in some ways able to see this life cycle that that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and it brings a, a familiarness, a, a personality a, a, to this big city when you can shop in a a small retail store and get to know the the owner, the person who's. Uh, chosen those wines out, um, and they get to know your your palate. There's there's really you can't do that by buying wine online or by buying wine in a mailing list. Uh, it's I think it's a very spe- it's the way that I prefer to do it. Uh, thank you for highlighting it, and it's something that that, that we encourage as well. Obviously, um, it's uh, we we know our customers by name, not just me, but but my employees as well. Um, when you come in, you're a recognized face, and it's something that's important for us because it's a part of with wine and as well as the the spirits we now carry. There's a great amount of information, and we want to provide that information if that's what the customer would would like to to have. Yeah. All right. Well, best of luck with the uh, with the liquor license application. Thank you so much. You'll have all of uh, Heritage Radio in the drink pulling for you. Uh, come by and sign the petition. We we, we 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 could use as much support as we can get. Thank you so much. Uh, please please let us know how it goes, and we'll we'll uh, we'll certainly uh, let our let our listeners know either on the show or we'll we'll tweet it out. Uh, right. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to give one more big thanks to Liz Smith. Where uh, uh, it's been such a pleasure having you uh, as an engineer for this show. Uh, also working with Jack. Uh, you, you guys are awesome, but Liz, we'll, we'll miss you. Please let us know what, what you're up to. Uh, and I wanted to thank all of you guys for listening. Uh, this has been another episode of In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>